0: The top was sumptuous, and Sanchez's skills were sublime. Oh, Rodman! Rodman, the number two pick, scores for the Spirit. And ahead! the header! Washington
1: takes the lead. This team of destiny from Washington D.C. now stands as NWSL champions. Hey,
2: Spirits! This is Annie Elliott back with another episode of Hey Spirits, our Washington Spirit podcast. And I have with me, as always, Ella Brockway. How are you, Ella? I am
1: still recovering from the night that was Friday <laughs> at the NWSL Draft, but I'm here and I'm good. That's fair. And um, Andre Carlisle, How are you doing, Andre?
0: Ditto. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're. I'm. I'm super glad we're all here to talk about this because I'm still like just barely coming out of the whirlwind. Like, okay, that happened. Now what is kind of where I'm at, but I'm still kind of like... It feels too soon for the now what, so we're going to process.
2: Yeah, this is going to be one of our therapy session episodes, I guess. Um, so, as as everyone probably knows, um, the NWSL draft was on Friday night, and shortly before the draft, the Spirit announced that they were trading Sam Staub to the Chicago Red Stars in exchange for the third pick of the draft. And a, l- a little bit after that, um, reports started coming out that they were also trading Ashley Sanchez to the North Carolina courage for the fifth overall pick and $25,000 in allocation money that was confirmed during the draft. Um, So that did give them the top four picks, but um, it also just set off,
1: uh, I don't know, a a wildfire
2: among the fans uh, who like us were very surprised by this news. Um, And so we want to talk about the draft picks and, and give them their laurels or whatever, but, I think we got to talk about these trades
1: and how we're feeling. I don't know what do you what do you think, Ella? Get us started. Yeah, I was saying this before we uh, all hopped on to record, but I think at the end of our last episode, you may have jinxed yourself, hoping for a night of calm and zero chaos, because that is certainly not what we got from the Spirit. Um, I think if you're a Spirit supporter, there's you know certainly positives to take from having the most picks of any team in the first round and making away with the caliber talent that the Spirit landed with, but it came at a really hefty price. And when that price is two fixtures of a team who have seen a lot in the past four years, who are high profile players, who are, you know, became central to this club's identity, that's really hard to take and really tough to take for a lot of um, Spirit fans. And I think just for general observers around the end WSL, I think that was also kind of shocking to watch, all this go down. This felt like the two biggest moves that happened on draft night outside of anything that was happening on stage involving draft picks. So it's, it was, yeah, not the, not the calm and calm night that anyone was expecting or hoping for, I think, but you know, and I'm sure we're going to get into it later in terms of the positives that came from the draft picks and, you know, maybe why some of these moves, um, these traits have been made based on, you know, systems and the future of the spirit, but, overall just a shocking night that I don't think a lot of us saw coming going in.
0: So first things first, I feel like we have to blame Annie. Um, (laughs) She she wanted calm night and um, that didn't happen. Um, I know you said pre pod that you're not going to accept any blame, but But it's here. I I'm, I'm giving it, I'm putting on your doorstep and running away. Um, I think the biggest question mark for me was like, I I thought that having the two draft picks the Spirit had coming in without the traits, 7th and 13th, I thought, okay, that's great. You know, we you, you get, it's a deep draft. You're going to get a lot of, you know, good talent, maybe talented in another draft would have been taken even higher, especially with the two teenagers from UNC coming out. The two top picks, what ended up being the two top picks, Savvy King and Ali Sentner went number one. Um I thought okay this is shaping up good you know some really good players are gonna fall to the spirit or would fall to the spirit and like my question was just like I didn't know we were in a rebuild right like I knew a new coach was coming I knew a new style of play was wanted and also coming but it felt like we had the pieces for it if you were to tell me like we're going to try and play high possession and we're going to try and be intricate in our passing in the final third and all the all the movement, all the spacing that you know you you would expect from a typical Barcelona team getting a Barcelona coach. I would say Sam Staub as a defender with her left foot and range, good, got that. We're good. Ashley Sanchez, creative player, good on the ball, good one v one on the dribble, um, quick and tight spaces, good. And then those two players go <laughs> and I was just like, What is happening?
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it was just I, – I agree with this. It was just so unexpected. I mean, the team kept a lot of young players on the roster from last year's draft and you know now are adding potentially six these six new draft picks. So I, I think it does feel a little bit like a rebuild in a way that it shouldn't. I mean, I, I kind of separate them a little bit. I guess we kind of have to talk about the two of them a little separately. Um, Sam Staba, I think, was – Probably the biggest shock for me in part because it was first. But also just, you know, I think she's the only member of the starting back line and potentially at this point, maybe the only member of the back line who will have been on the team or for the um, the championship season. Who was a defender, you know, three years ago and still is for the team. And that just feels like a really big it, – it feels like they are ready to change their whole identity in this offseason. I mean – And now I'm not, you know, going back towards the bigger group, but, you know, they've lost this offseason Sam Staub and Ashley Sanchez, who obviously have been a big part of the team's marketing, um, the the personality of the team, but also uh, Tori Huster, longtime player, original team member, and um, Dorian Bailey, who I know is also a big fan favorite. So I think that this is – it feels like a huge departure for the fans in terms of, like, these are players that they have watched for a decent amount of time on this team and have – Liked watching, and I think it's it's just such a big shock. I said it was going to be Sam Staub, and then I went back to everybody because I I don't know that I understand doing both of these at once.
1: When the Staub trade first went down, which was about three hours before the draft started, I you know caught myself thinking back to last year's draft when that son and the Emily Sonnet trade came in, and that I guess with you know the benefit of hindsight, it seemed difficult. It was difficult in the moment and it felt like, at least to me, that there was an argument there that Sonnet, you know, didn't fit Mark Parsons system or whatever was going on there. But, and so I was thinking a lot about that trade and how that felt in the moment, uh, when the stop trade went down. But then you see the stop trade happen and then you see the Sanchez trade happen right after that. And these blockbusters of trade feel, of caliber trades feel harder to square than last, than that one last year did. You know, these are players who were brought in under previous management under a previous idea of playing sure but particularly with Sanchez you could make the argument that she was a player who seemed to fit the style in which this club is going and then on the other player with Sam Staub you have a person who's been the most durable and most consistently reliable for you for pretty much four seasons so no matter how much of a big haul that you got in return this was a really big bet to place by this front office for the future of the Spirit. These are two players who were clearly desirable to other teams around the league, and we saw that based on the returns that um, that they got for both trades. And um it seems like after a draft in 2023 that maybe didn't pan out exactly as the Spirit wanted last year, you know, um, those players did make the roster, but you saw a player like Paige Mattire who wasn't even in the draft became the most essential um, rookie for the Spirit last year. So uh, maybe a draft that didn't exactly pan out as it wanted last year and then a season that results wise systems wise also didn't pan out as planned it it, i guess it felt like the spirit needed to do some serious restructuring and really wanted to make a big move into that first round and that wasn't something that i think we were all anticipating but you know this is this is what it took
0: so I'm trying to like piece it together and make it make sense. So I don't have inside information. I'm going to preface this up front. This is me purely speculating because I think Chicago having the number three pick, knowing they just lost Tierna Davidson, they needed a defender. They particularly needed a left-footed center back, a left-footed defender to fit into their squad, be kind of the rock of that defense. I think that made Sam Staub pretty much the most natural next pick. And was highly valuable to them, and so if you were looking at maybe moving up in the draft, especially with you having the sense maybe that the two teenagers were going to go, then you're thinking Croy Bethune could be there, and we could have an opportunity to get her, and she is, and I'll talk about this later. I think she's a generational kind of talent, so like we will see what happens there. but once to me, it feels like once that deal is made, the Sanchez deal kind of makes itself then because now you have a bit of redundancy in your midfield, and you don't really need that because you can't really play both of them together, especially in the NWSL. Maybe you could in another league, but not in the NWSL. You need a bit more solidity defensively uh, than those two would offer combined in midfield. So that's kind of my view on it, I suppose, but it is quite brutal. You know, I think the thing that makes it really difficult is Trinity Rahman's reaction. We've seen her multiple posts, IG stories, really sad about this. We know the connection and the friendship those two had. We also, the celebrations on the, on the pitch and everything. It was great to have them in DC together. It was super, super fun. And they seem to love DC both. And they both seem to love being one another's teammates and friends. And then Ashley Sanchez releases a statement. She kind of waits a, a, some, some time because, as you would expect, probably processing a lot. Uh, and then she posted on Instagram with her caption, shocked and heartbroken to be leaving such a special place. D.C. will always feel like home to me. Thank you to the fans and my teammates for the best years of my life. Truly don't have the words to describe the gratitude I have. Thank you a million. And to the North Carolina Courage, she says, thank you for this opportunity. Excited to get started.
2: And, yeah, so that um that really stinks. That it sounds like she didn't get a lot of notice. Um, I Sab obviously didn't say anything like that, but I I wonder how much notice she had. I, you don't want to be that team that is not fully informing players. You know, you're, you may not be asking them because we have this draft and trade system that the team gets to decide where the, where they're going to go next. Um, so you don't really expect teams to give them an up or down vote on whether they leave, but you do hope to see that there's been some kind of notice, that they've talked it through, and this all seems like it happened from our perspective very quickly, and, and maybe the players were surprised on draft day or draft night that it was going to happen. Um, and that's, that's just a really <laughs> – you don't want to be Kansas City. Like, this, this is not ideal.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you, Andre read, uh, Ashley Sanchez's Instagram post from Friday or yesterday. I guess that was Saturday. And just last week, she had commented on the spirits post about the Geraldes announcement. Um, and we sat here last week and talked about how she was really going to be one of the exciting players to watch in this system. And, or in this new system that the spirit's going to be adopting. And, uh, you know, I think it's with, with Sanchez, it's really tough because she had a tough 2023 season, you know, we, and I say that not as a reflected, a reflection of her talent or skill level, but she, got on the World Cup roster we know how that World Cup ended up going for her and that it didn't go as planned at all and she had that one goal coming on as a sub at Houston I believe right after the World Cup but then was kind of in a similar situation to the rest of the spirit where things just you know weren't clicking that much after the World Cup and she really hadn't seen that many minutes on the national team since before the World Cup started so you know, as someone who enjoys watching Ashley Sanchez play, I hope that she can get a fresh start in a system like that of Sean Nehaus in North Carolina, where she can thrive. And it's funny because we talked about Sean Nehaus's system in the last pod and the similarities that we thought it was going to um, offer to the spirit or the system that her office is going to bring to the spirit. So in a roundabout way, she's going to get that next season, just not in DC. Um, I saw a tweet from. Someone who used to cover the courage, uh, Neil Morris, I believe he mentioned that a few years ago, it seemed like Sanchez was a player who was on North Carolina's radar and who they had wanted in the past. So, you know, all things considered, she's going to a place where it seems like she can succeed and maybe rejuvenate her career a little bit, which is something that feels silly to say about a player who is only 24 years old. But, you know, still leaves a lot of questions from a DC perspective. Was this just a matter of, you know, the cards falling the way they did and Crippathune ending up like where she did in the draft order was this a matter of maybe Sanchez was undervalued any bit by the spirit front office. We don't know. So, um, yeah, just a, a crazy turn of events that I wouldn't have predicted.
0: Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say this. Um, it's tough for me with because, with, OK, you have the business of running a team. You know, when you decide to run a team and you have that authority and power and you have to make decisions. Yes, there's that part of it but you're also dealing with people. And I think both things have to be respected. And that's where I think the communication is so important ahead of time. It may be a very difficult conversation. It may be a conversation that comes back to bite you in the ass later, but it's a conversation you need to have just from like a human perspective. And I don't know if that conversation happened. I hope it did. And and I hope it wasn't just a blanket like, you know, we're 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 exploring all options. You know that doesn't really cover it. You know, so I I would like that. I would hope that those conversations would happen. I do know that Sean Nehas has been really high on Ashley Sanchez. I know that he talked to her before this move as well. But again, that's the opposing coach talking, or from a spirit perspective, that's the opposing coach talking to a player. Not necessarily the same thing. And so I do know that Nahas is excited about this. You know, he even tweeted about it when in addition to our club. North Carolina Courage fans get ready to be entertained. Ashley, I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to work with you again because he's worked with her in the youth levels. Can't wait to get started, my friend. Hashtag Courage Country, all that. Like, he's excited. Personally, I'm excited for her in that system. It's going to hurt. <laughs> she's going to do well. If, she, if she's like, this is the tough part about it being the, the humanity of it kind of being a question mark uh in terms of how it was how it was done because she already had a really rough time you know black co and what he did with her at the world cup was devastating it was difficult for her to get through and honestly probably not through it yet probably going to take even longer and then something like this happens if it's framed right if all the communication is there it can be like a fresh start if it's not then it can feel like just the more you know bullshit that i have to endure for reasons that aren't really of my making. These are other people with authority making decisions that are impacting my career negatively. If that's where she's at and the spirit of part of that, that really sucks.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with all that. Both of you, you know, I could definitely be a good opportunity for her, but the situation just sucks. It, it Yeah. And it, it definitely seems like it was a surprise. I I don't know. I saw a lot of people talking about also her friendship with, with Trinity Rodman and saying, You know, you see people saying things like, oh, well, they should have kept Sanchez around because they want to keep their star happy, which I really don't. I find that a little icky. Um, I mean, I think they needed to value Sanchez as a person and not as a, you know, support for Trinity Rodman. Um, But I I do know that the loss of that friendship is going to impact both of them a lot this year. Or not the loss of the friendship, but having your friend close by and and as a close teammate – um, and we don't know if they're going to get chances to play together on the national team this year or not. So it, it's going to be really rough for both of them, which that's true. It, yeah, I, I think this, it's going to be a big change. And I think I wrote a little bit in my article, just quickly summarizing the, the draft about, you know, she also had a really good connection on the pitch with Ashley Hatch. There was just a lot there in terms of they'd worked together, all three of them for a long time and had really good chemistry so they're absolutely going to feel this as a team, both on the field and off, even though, you know, they are getting some some good new players. It looks like a lot of midfielders. I think probably that'll shift. But, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. One thing I just wanted to hop in and add. So um, the equalizer was the only outlet, to my knowledge, that was able to speak to Mark uh, Spirits, the Spirits GM and president of soccer operations uh, right after the draft. So I'm just going to pull up his quote that he said. Um he his quote was, they've been such wonderful players at Washington and had such an impressive time during their tenure with the Spirit. It's hard, right? These are never easy decisions. We looked at what is the balance? How are we going to figure all of this out? And in the end, what is the best going forward? And I think in the end, we made the decisions that we thought were in the best interest of the club going forward. So um, I know we're hopefully going to get a, a media availability with the draftees this coming week and still waiting to see if um Mark Recorian is gonna speak any further, but I think those are definitely, you know, that's all we have from Mark Recorian so far for anyone who uh hasn't been following along super closely, but um that's definitely something we're looking forward to look hearing from.
0: Yeah, I'll go ahead and just say like I would appreciate, you know, not not like, you know, I don't expect to be informed of spirit booze before they happen, right? I don't expect the GM to call us, but when things do happen, especially things as drastic I would have liked for something to be done earlier. I would have liked to have the opportunity uh, to speak and just to ask questions. Last year, I was able to be at the draft and that was really cool because it was in Philly. This time it was in Anaheim, California. Couldn't make it, couldn't make it. Uh, so it was a little frustrating because I really would have loved to be there for that. It would have been super chaotic from a spirit perspective, and I. but it would have given me that access to be able to ask the questions and to know that not many... I don't know if any like local spirit, you know, like Washington reporters were actually there. Uh, I know a lot of others from some outlets, other outlets were there. But in terms of who covers the team on a daily basis, I don't know if anybody was actually able to be there. And so it felt like there was certainly a need to put something together maybe not at like 1 a.m. Eastern time, <laughs> you know, so I think there are a couple teams, maybe it didn't, uh, I, I can't, I don't know if this is true, Kansas City or Orlando, one of them did a media availability after the draft, and I was like, wow, shout out to y'all, uh, but it could have waited to Saturday, even today, Sunday, Monday, you know, I'm sure we'll get to talk to the draft picks soon, which is great, but when such a big move happens, it would be nice to be able to chat and be like, hey, so tell us, talk us through the thinking, like how did this go down? Like have us be able to ask the questions, you know, what was the order? When was Sanchez notified? Just so that's out there because right now all we have is the moves are made. Trendy robbins feeling really bad, really sad. Ashley Sanchez says she was so- shocked and we don't really have anything else but a pretty generic quote in the equalizer from the GM. And it's a little icky. It's a little icky, I'll be honest.
2: Yeah. I, I would definitely like to ask some more questions. I don't know, you know, even if Mark Krikorian does end up doing media, I don't know that we'll get more insight. I kind of suspect he will not be forthcoming about the plans or anything like that. And, and on some level, I understand that they don't want to have it yeah. affect any deals they're making. There's always kind of a silly like element of surprise for the other teams about what they're going to do. But I think it would... We've talked in this offseason a lot about fans not getting a lot of news. and And some of that was just, you know, like... The coaching search is ongoing. We can't tell you until the deal is signed. We get that. But I think that this big trade is, is another, you know, huge surprise, huge shock. Not even, you know, I would say even greater than the, the Parsons firing that I think they have a lot more ground to cover with fans than they might realize that I think they're going to need to mend some fences and, and try to, you know, explain themselves or win some fans back. I, I think this has been a really tough offseason. We've talked about obviously these trades, and and we'll continue to talk about them, I'm sure. But let's let's shift our focus a little bit to the rest of the night. Um, as we said, the Spirit had four first round draft picks. Um, they chose. I'm just going to run down who was chosen, and then we can we can chat about it. I don't know that we're ready to do necessarily a full breakdown of all these players. Hoping to get more information, maybe interviews with them later on. But here's here's the list. Um, so, third pick of the draft was Croy Bethune from University of Georgia, midfielder. Fifth pick was Hal Hirschfeld, a midfielder from Clemson University. Seventh pick was Kate Weisner from Penn State; she is a defender. Thirteenth pick was McKenna Morris uh, from Clem- another one from Clemson University, a midfielder. And then they had no picks in the second round. Uh, third round, they had the 35th pick and chose forward Anna Potagil from University of Arkansas. I hope I'm I'm probably not saying that right. But then in the fourth round, they picked uh, 49th overall slot Courtney Brown from University of Utah, another midfielder. Um, so I guess just, yeah, open it up to do you guys have any thoughts on the picks generally on a specific pick? I'm sure Andre has some things to say about Croy Bethune. <laughs> but I guess just uh, go for it.
0: Oh... This podcast could be very long if I say everything I would like to say about Croy Bethune. Um, I am setting everything in the first segment aside. I am overjoyed about having Croy Bethune on the team. She had been a player that I've been watching in college for multiple years, multiple seasons at USC. She was incredible. She Did tear her ACL, so she has some injury uh, history, kind of injury uh, injuries. Injury history injuries is what I just said. This is how excited I am. Anyway, um, but she did come back. She played for the Georgia Bulldogs this year. She helped them win their first ever SEC championship. Uh, she scored a, what was it, in the semifinal, I believe, in the SEC championship. She scored a, a, an overtime, I think it was a double overtime game-winning goal with like t- less than 10 seconds left. Um, she is, and should to, to put this in context for people, her ceiling to me, is something of like a Roosevelt 2.0. She is extremely good on the ball. The dribbling technique is outrageous, and she and she is so, so, so smart. And with her movements, with where she places passes, with how she reads defenders, getting them off balance, using little shoulder, shoulder turns to create just a little bit of separation, and even though she has those, those knee injury issues, um, or in, not issues, I'll say history, she hasn't lost her acceleration. There's still many times this season where you saw her kind of just do a quick shoulder turn and then move the other way. And all of a sudden, one, two steps and she's already by her defender. Like she is super, super quick and super, super good. So I am like overjoyed with this uh, selection of Croy Bethune. The rest, you know, I, I think we'll, have, we'll we'll talk about it uh, a bit more. Maybe everybody. I was a little surprised at how Hirsch felt um, signing, cause, especially because Leilani Nesbeth was still there. And she's incredible, played for FSU, went to Chicago. I'm a little scared of what Chicago is building, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. But um, Hirschfeld is a very good defender. She is a defensive midfielder, kind of by trade. Maybe she can be kind of a number eight, but she's really about defensive positioning and helping to move the ball around the pitch, whether it's forward, whether it's moving it up the flank. She's really good at figuring that out um, with her positioning. And the touch passes that she makes, which I'll talk a little bit more about later. But yeah, those are kind of my initial reactions from the top five picks. So I'm going to shut up because if I don't, I'll talk about Croy Bethune a bit more and nobody else will be talking. That'd be rude.
1: Yeah, I wanted to see the Florida Andre first because he's quite literally the go-to guy on the subject of the Washington Spirit and Croy Bethune now. So, um, but, you know, on a night when it felt like the big headlines were about departures, this felt like a really, really good get and um i I think a lot of the reaction when when this number three pick was made and you can see the reaction from not just spirit fans not just like observers of college soccer but from people around the league being like okay a lot happened in this first half of the night but the spirit is leaving with a, a player who has the potential to be a generational talent and to come in you know injury history considered and everything but has the potential to come in and be a game changer in the NWSL right away next season, I, I I think it's hard to view that as anything but a huge win for the spirit on a night that I know a lot of fans were feeling you know a lot of mixed feelings and a lot of mixed emotions. But this that number three pick was an especial an especially significant win. I think.
2: Yeah, I don't want to now don't want to talk too much about Kroy Bethune and ignore everybody else. So I will say I'm also very interested in seeing more from Hal Hirschfeld and, and learning more about her because I don't think she was really on anyone's radar and yeah I agree with you I, I was like oh this will be an FSU pick and it was not <laughs> there weren't any what a shock um
0: do, do, do we think that was purposeful do we think here he the chatter was like, chatter I, know and was you like think. <laughs> I am not selecting any <laughs> FSU players at all
1: I, don't I don't know, know some people hate I that so narrative <laughs> Especially after the sob trade is made, I was like, uh, I'm not a betting woman, but I will put the money in the Lauren Funn prediction. And then all of yeah. a sudden, it went right out the window. But um, yeah, I'll just hop in, continue to say another pick, uh, you know, intrigued by all of these first-round picks, but the McKenna-Morris pick as well, yeah. while we're on the subject of Clemson. She's a local pick, and she can do her a, a, a lot. The Spirit, I believe they listed her as a midfielder in their official press release, but she played at Clemson on the wing and in that sort of attacking fullback role, I believe. Uh, she went to St. John's here in D.C. and won high school titles and played with a youth club that has ties to the Spirit. So, And she led the entire Clemson team in points last season, which was a squad that Went really far in the postseason in college soccer and also had four draft picks on the night, uh, on Friday night. So another, and I think a lot of people were excited about that pick as well. She had a really nice uh, reaction video when you could definitely tell her enthusiasm for coming to the Spirit, which was fun to see.
2: Yeah, I was going to call her out next because we love a hometown talent here. (laughs) We've got uh, Anna Helferty, Andy Sullivan. Let's just, yeah, everybody bring them back to D.C. That's great. (laughs)
0: right I'm here for that yeah I'm so glad you mentioned McKenna Morris because she's it's super fun I loved watching her at Clemson because yeah she was in a right but she was a right back but only like when she needed to be (laughs) you know what I mean like she was very good at understanding like okay defensive time time to be wary but other than that she gets really high up the pitch and she inverts a lot which is another thing if we're looking at the system that we're going to probably play, you're going to need to be able to tuck in, especially if you're playing as a fullback and act as a midfielder, be able to make passes there. And she can make passes and she can dribble really well in tight spaces. So I'm excited about that. The Kate Wiesner pick was interesting as well. I think that one came kind of out of nowhere. If I look at it, I probably would have expected Morris to be selected before Wiesner, but it is difficult to find left-footed left backs. And so maybe that's you know, back up because right now we only have Gabby Carl for that for that position. And Wiesner has a lot of experience with the youth national team as well. Very good player, been really solid at Penn State for quite a while. So, I mean, I think her in 2022, I think Wiesner had like 11 assists. So, like, yeah, um, quite a good player, quite a good talent. And then the later round picks, I'm just going to have to read and, and watch a bit more of because I was familiar a bit with Courtney Brown. Um, I think the only question there in terms of her being a midfielder is, was she like a standout of, on, on a team that didn't have really any other uh, professional kind of caliber, at least NWSL caliber players? Or will she is she like ready for this level? And once she has professional teammates around her, will she be able to show even more of her talent? I think that's the question. Uh, and Anna Potagil as well. I'm going to have to just watch a lot of her to see, but... Back up maybe forward kind of seems like a smart move
1: I think the only other thing that I'd add like when we we're talking about Kate Wiesner uh she um, she came into college I remember when she I was still in college when she came into the college ranks and she was an attacking midfielder like for the start of her career at Penn State and then the switch to defense was kind of a recent-ish move so I look at the you know six picks that the spirit got in this draft and I wonder if we're gonna see some you know, some more positional switches to come. It's certainly nothing that the spirit is not used to. Like we've, we've seen them before. And, you know, with Wiesner, I'm curious to see, especially with the changes that are probably coming to the spirit back line, just stay on the outside. Do they try to move her into a left footed center back role, considering they just saw one of their left, <laughs> left footed center backs apart, um, change things up completely. So I, I think that's another thing that I'm sort of keeping an eye on as we see all these new draftees get added to the mix.
0: I'm actually so glad you said that because not only do the Spirit do that a lot, Geralde seems to, seems to do that a lot. If you look at Barcelona right now, I believe a typical right back is playing as a center back and a defensive midfielder is like they're also playing as a center back. So things can change, which is why I was like, hmm, I wonder if Casey Kruger is actually going to be a right back because you could really see Kruger being a right-sided center back with McKenna Morris and then Kruger can cover that space when Morris goes high. There's a lot you could do, especially with a lot of the versatility of some of their selections, particularly in defense. So, yeah, probably – I don't know if we'll see a forward to center back transition again, <laughs> but we could definitely see a lot of shuffling in the in the positions, maybe even possession to possession sometimes.
2: Yeah, although now that you've mentioned that, I'm like, this makes me feel like Mickey staying at center back, everything that happened. But we'll, we can talk more about that. Um, I was looking up last year because obviously last year they drafted a ton of forwards and just was curious how they described them in the initial press release compared to how they ended up trying to deploy them on the field. And I think everyone was pretty much listed as a forward other than obviously uh, goalkeeper Liza Bosselman. Um, But then Riley Tanner and Nicole Douglas were pretty quickly switched to midfielders on the the Spears roster. So I would also not be surprised to see some – quick or, you know, preseason position switches on, on that, on all, anywhere, all of these players. Um, so yeah, I think we were excited about these, uh, draft picks. I'm looking forward to talking to them. Um, you know, hopefully it's, we can get some of them on the podcast at some point. We love to talk to players, but I wanted to talk a little generally about, you know, we've already talked a little bit about how we can see kind of Croy Bethune sliding into that 10 spot that Ashley Sanchez was playing before, but, Like you kind of raised with the Casey Kruger question, uh, what's going to happen on the back line? Like, is there someone who's going to fit in for Sam Stobb here? Because I don't know that there's anybody who's that kind of center back. And I I don't know if, you know, maybe there are more moves coming. I kind of hope so. But I I don't know. I was curious what you two think about
1: how they're going to fill that gap. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I went on for so long about Sanchez that I can probably feel a little bit about Saab here and just what a remarkable player she has been for the spirit for the past five seasons. You know, for starters, just her identity as a player, as a left-footed center back who's an excellent passer who can shuffle and work between center back pairings on a team who was really elite on set pieces, on set pieces, excuse me, uh, whether that was a free kick or a throw-in. So for starters, it's extremely hard to replace it player like that and uh you know no shade to sam stop at all but just based on the trends that we've seen with national team call-ups without having to worry about losing a player like that for a solid chunk of your season for international duty because sam stop wasn't getting called up to the national team which i can argue against and i can argue that she should be getting called up but that's a a different story in a different podcast but so i think it's really hard to find a player who is just going to come in and fill that role exactly and another thing that you know i can let andre talk about the you know a potential casey krueger to center back switch but the other thing kind of looming over all of this is that the spirit got two hundred fifty thousand dollars in allocation money in that sanchez trade we don't know exactly the numbers that they'll be working with but the natural thought that many people were thinking around the league yesterday or uh friday excuse me was, okay, this money is opened up from that trade. There's probably money that opened up from having Sanchez and Staub on the roster. Is that going to go to something next? And is that going to go to something on the back line? Is that going to go to something, a, a different position in the squad? We don't know. But that is another thing that's kind of looming over the events of this draft night is are there going to be more signings made from around the league or are there going to be more signings made from around the world in the international market so that's the other kind of looming question that's hanging over all of the moves that happened on draft night
0: yeah and looking at the back line um <laughs> big old sam Stop sized hole you know like like you said they in the draft definitely the bethune for sanchez make makes makes sense in terms of what they want and i think that I think if you're looking at a player to kind of fit that system, Sanchez seemed like she was perfect, and it would have been really good for a development to work with a coach like this. But I do think that Bethune kind of has maybe a step ahead in terms of how she plays, how she moves, what she does in attacking midfield. She's played that position her entire life. That's where, well, I don't know about her entire life, but as far as I've known about her, that's where she's played. And so she has a lot of little things that you need, to, the the tools you need to create space and to slide passes around through that, um, through that space. So maybe they were looking at it and thinking this is like a, a maybe a bit of a more natural fit, even though it's really hard to say that because Croy is just coming out of college. But I'll also remind everyone just coming out of college, Sanchez, Rodman, Jen and I Swanger, so many other players were had massive impacts in their very first seasons. And I think as long as Croy stays healthy, she will do the exact same thing. Uh, in terms of the back line, yeah, it's tough. Left-footed centerbacks, super rare. We had one. We don't have one anymore. Uh, Tierna Davidson, already with Gotham. Sam Saab, already uh, moved now with Chicago. Don't really have anyone else in the U.S. side, I think, that really slots into that role. So you, I, I have to believe they are looking outside of the U.S. for this uh, fill, because I don't really know. And even when you're looking outside of the U.S., it's just such a rare skill set to have. It's a rare, rare kind of player. Uh, profile to have, and I don't know where they're going to find it. Um, you know, the the first thing people do is kind of scour Barcelona's squad. And as much as that tweet from Rose Room Collective made everybody upset about Mapi Leon coming, uh, she extended her contract. She's not going anywhere. She's pretty much Barcelona through and through. Don't expect her to go anywhere until they force her out the door, uh, which I doubt they will. Um, so. That's not happening. Also, she has recently picked up an injury, and it looks like a long-term one. So I think she's even going to be out the remainder of this season uh, anyway from Barcelona. So um, there's that. But there is Marta Torrejon, who was a right back. That's the player I mentioned earlier, who's been playing as a center back. Very kind of interesting because she is right-footed, but she's pretty technical with both feet. So it's a possibility. She is, I believe, she is 33 right now. Uh, she'll be 34 in, in uh, February, but she is also out of contract with Barcelona uh, this at the end of this season, and I haven't seen or heard any word of an extension. So I don't know if that might end up be happening. Uh, that might end up happening, but again, not really a natural left footed replacement there because those are so hard to find. And also caveat: everything I just said was pure speculation. I know nothing. Sorry, everyone.
2: Yeah, and I guess I shouldn't have implied that. Anybody's going to be able to do everything that Sam Stobb can do because I don't believe that.
0: Well, that's the weird thing. It sure would be nice to have Sam Stobb on this squad with this given what she does. So I don't, I really am super interested in knowing what the plan is if they already have someone pretty much secured and they felt comfortable doing this. Otherwise, if they just said, you know what, this is something we're going to have to just do and figure out. I'm really scared about that. Uh, if it's the latter, they left themselves as one of the most difficult jobs to do in the entire sport.
2: Yeah. And um, the, the first time they uh, face a free kick from Chicago Red Star Sam Staub, they're going to be nervous.
0: <laughs> Listen, free kicks from Sam Staub, attacking midfielder uh, Ashley Sanchez in that na- and House oh, yeah. system. Like, yeah, we... They got to get this right because if we end up getting like things we did ugly in those those couple games, I'm hoping I'm hoping we got a response.
2: I think I think we might be taking a road trip to Cary, North Carolina for that spirit match. That could be fun.
0: <laughs> it sure could be.
2: But um, yeah, I, I guess I'm thinking now, like looking at the person on the team, generally would not be a kind of like for like replacement. But I wonder if um, Anna Boutel will also move back into her center back spot where she played in Paris at Paris FC. Um, because I think that's been her longer term position. And I think probably more natural for her. I think she was a little shaky on the, on the wing there. Um, And they do have some players who can play the wings now. Um, But I would, I would like to see, I think them bringing in another center back or or some other experienced defender. I still think the back line is going to need something big to even try to replace Sam Stob and, and maintain any kind of defensive levels where they were. I mean, Tara McKeown, I think, has been really solid in her position, but she is a if she's staying there, second year center back. So I, I think she we really need that veteran pref- presence next to her for you know just confidence, backup, whatever. So I I'm hoping there are additional moves to be made because otherwise I think this is looking like a little bit of a scary back line <laughs> in a bad way for the Spirit. <laughs>
1: I will say amid all the chaos of Friday, I got myself thinking, you know, the fact that the Casey Kruger deal happened before all of this, and you could go in to the draft knowing that amid all this chaos on the backline, at least the spirit did that, that should bring a comfort to some spirit fans. Like if in an alternate universe in which, you know, Kruger is not coming to Washington, I would, there'd be even more panic signs on this backline. But in hindsight, amid everything that happened on Friday, that is. Remains a good deal and it remains, I think, a good thing for the, you know, Spirit defensively that that was able to go down and happen.
0: The one thing I will say, and that I I do think they may have wanted, you know, in, in addition to the style of play, um, change that we, that they, that the Spirit wanted, um, to change from what Parsons had installed in the previous season, speed. I think that's one thing that the team really got, um, Love Sam Stahl, but she's not the quickest player. We will see who we get in their replacement and if that, if speed is prioritized there. But I also think kind of similarly with Sanchez and Bethune. I think Bethune would be a quicker player, uh, quicker acceleration, kind of quicker with the ball in a straight line, I would say. Even, even if she has to combine a couple moves, she's very, very quick with the ball. Uh, at her feet. So again, I, it's hard for me to get away from the Roosevelt comp, and I hate doing that to players because it kind of boxes them in like Corey, Bethune will do things that you probably wouldn't expect Roosevelt to do. And Roosevelt will probably do things that you wouldn't expect Roy Bethune to do. Right. So it's not exactly one for one, but just trying to and think of like player profile. That's what I'm trying to do. Um, and so, but, but McKenna Morris as well, very, very good, quick player, very athletic, very good with the ball at her feet as well uh, in terms of a dribbler. So, yeah, I think the overall speed of the team has already been improved, but we'll have to see about the rest of it because I'm kind of interested to see. I, I personally feel like we need a box-to-box midfielder if Andy is going to be playing as the defensive midfielder. Hirschfeld maybe could be the defensive midfielder, and then Andy's maybe as the box-to-box midfielder. I don't really know how that works, but um, it's a possibility given just where everyone plays. Uh, so, but, but the big thing as we've talked about is just that, that left-sided center back, that's going to be the biggest thing for me. And there has to be more news on the way. There has to be, there must be, you don't get 250 K and, and boot out your, your center back, uh, one of your, your best, the best starting center backs in the NWSL and not really have a plan. I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt and assume there is a plan. There must be a plan. Cause if there's not a plan, I might just have to flip a desk or something like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do.
2: And I don't know how, uh, you know, get some reassurance from numbers here, but the team has 18 players under contract currently. If they don't re-sign any of their free agents, which, you know, we don't know yet. Um, so if they sign all six of these draft picks, they are at 24 and they can still add two players to the roster. Um, so there's certainly room right now for more signings. Um, so hope, I I think, I think there will be. I mean, I, I, they've got those four. Free agents kind of hanging out there. Two of them, restricted free agents, uh, Marissa Shiva and Cameron Bogalski. and um, we haven't heard any news about them. I think we will be hearing news soon. Um, and but I, I think we'll get, uh, we'll get some more signing news. I believe before preseason, which could be as early as the twenty second of this month. I did not realize time flies.
0: Yeah, it's coming.
1: But did, did you guys have anything else you want to talk about before we kind of wrap up? I would just add there's only one other piece of spirit-adjacent news that I can think of that happened last week, and it was that NWSL Commissioner Jessica Berman said that they hope to release the regular season schedule by January 31st. So that is something that I'm also keeping an eye on, which seems like a hopeful prediction, but you never know with this league. I'm saying give us an earlier
2: date. Let's do it now. I'm ready.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So we can know when to circle the first game against the North Carolina Courage and the first game against the Chicago Red Stars. <laughs> what we were just talking about. Beware. <laughs> not
0: not looking forward to either one of those games. If I'm honest, not looking forward <laughs> to it at all. It's gonna be tough. I, I will. I will say this though: as, as much as like this is the difficulty of kind of top level professional sports. We're in a sad moment right now because we just lost players who meant a lot to us, meant a lot to supporters, meant a lot to the team uh, as well. And we'll process that, we'll get over it, uh, and hopefully the players do as well. It's it's tough, it's difficult, but I also say the way that this kind of works is every team is different. I've kind of tried to be in the in the habit of talking about teams in terms of their iteration. You know, like the twenty nineteen. North Carolina courage or the 2021 spirit, because even though the same players may be there team dynamics systems, things can change a lot. And so the 2024 spirit will look very different from the 2023 spirit. And I'm kind of excited about that. Um, Regardless of the coach starting, you know, in, in June, I think that'll be interesting, but regardless of that, it already seems like just from pure roster standpoint, where it's at right now and the things that, you might be capable capable of doing now that weren't in 2023, I am intrigued. Still questions to be answered in terms of the full picture coming together. But 2024 looks like we may be at least able to watch more entertaining soccer than maybe we saw at some points last season. And that's kind of fun.
2: I think that's on a positive note. Wow. Hopeful, at least, I guess. (laughs) All right. But I think if that's it, you know, we'll just... uh so thanks everybody and we'll talk to you soon
1: thank you so much for listening we'll be back next week with another episode remember to like subscribe review and rate five stars you can follow us on twitter at hey spirits and as always go spirits